Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Graham Loomer. And I'm Shireen Zink. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation. We're a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who have created endowment funds at ECF. These funds are carefully stewarded to generate money that supports charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community because it's good to be well endowed. On this episode, we take a look at why affordable and social housing are an important investment for our city. November is Edmonton's housing month, so it's a good time to reflect on housing needs and the work being done locally. As we know, one of the first steps is simply knowing the stats. That's where Homer Trust comes in. They do an annual count of people experiencing homelessness in Edmonton. According to their website, as of this November, there are 2,656 people experiencing homelessness in Edmonton. 47% identify as Indigenous, 46% identify as female, and 19% identify as youth. But the issue of housing extends beyond being houseless. There are individuals and families whose accommodations aren't suitable or whose cost is more than 30% of their gross income. It is a huge issue with many intersecting communities. The good news is there are many people who are working to help end homelessness. ECF has had the privilege of providing funding to several organizations working on this issue. One of those organizations is End Poverty Edmonton, which is very familiar with intersectionality and the complex systems that inform poverty. Let's turn things over to our correspondent, Daniel Parody. I am at End Poverty Edmonton speaking to Eric Amptman, the executive director. We are talking about affordable housing. End Poverty Edmonton is a community initiative that works to end poverty by dealing with issues systemically. That is, they look at the system as a whole. This includes looking at how to include the Truth and Reconciliation's 94 calls to action, as well as things like eliminating racism, but also the wraparound services required for those who are experiencing poverty such as making sure that there are access to mental health and addiction services. The approach used by the City of Edmonton for housing is known as Housing First. As the name suggests, this means that there's a focus on getting people into a home before addressing other issues like addiction or mental health. The approach works, according to the City of Edmonton. In a recent update at City Council about their affordable housing strategy, a report by City Administration said that Housing First as an approach is proven and provides its greatest savings for individuals who would otherwise be diverted to health, justice, and other less appropriate public services. The report goes on to say that evidence shows targeted supports are also required to ensure individuals are able to maintain stable, safe housing. Eric agrees, saying that there is still more work to be done because the year time frame people are given to get back on their feet doesn't work for everyone. So the resources that are required to support somebody who is homeless to not be homeless within a year and sort of that timing out in a year, um, some people need more time uh, and more supports and without those um, it does. It's not going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's got plenty of success, but it also has a lot of cycling people in and out. 
all over the walls of End Poverty Edmonton are meeting notes and planning. I noticed a theme around indigenization, so I ask Eric what that means. So it's one of eight things that we call game changers. Housing is a game changer, transportation, uh, incomes, uh, and indigenization because indigenous people are obviously way re- overrepresented when it comes to to poverty, um, and so we've got to focus on um, supporting like indigenous initiatives, but also um, bringing indigenous voices into the policy conversation. The big initiative that we're working on is an indigenous culture and wellness center um, in the river Valley. Uh, So that one is pretty well funded by the city. Uh, And then we do things like training of city councillors on like teaching or indigenizing our staff. So like more cultural exposure, my theory or my belief is if you interact with somebody who is indigenous, a lot of your stereotypes start having to go away. I also speak to Karen Bruno. She's the Director of Indigenization at End Poverty Edmonton. I have a lot of experience. uh, One, because I lived in Edmonton most of my life and as a single mom. And then two, um, I worked in the inner city for 30 years. So a lot of my clients and ran programs um, that, you know, uh, for our clients. So yeah, a lot of experience and in affordable housing. As Karen has said, she has a lived experience in trying to find housing and says that generational trauma and discrimination were an issue for her growing up, and they're still an issue now. So are things like a lack of credit when it comes time to find a rental. Well, it's generational, actually. I, I When my mom moved into the city of Edmonton to pursue her education and um from moving off reserve into the urban setting that would have been in the, probably in the mid sixties. We went from housing to housing uh, because uh, she struggled with uh, affordable housing back then and also discrimination. So uh, we moved just about every year, which affected, uh, she was a single mom. There was just me, which affected my education and uh, my ability to be stable which ended up with me being involved in addictions in the streets and then when I became a young mom um, you know that also uh, again interfered um, with my ability to stay stable with my kids in uh, something that was affordable and safe so you know I went through the same kind of pattern as my mom fortunately you know uh, there was a lot more supports when I became a parent, so I was able to access some of those supports to help me in getting stable and uh, while I pursued my education. Uh, so, um, yeah, you just, you can see it's affecting people generationally. I've definitely seen it in my career. Like I said, I've been involved in the inner city personally and professionally for the last 30, 40 years. And I'm working with my sort of third generation population of people who are struggling with housing issues. Um, So not much has changed in the way of discrimination and affordable housing and uh, the lack of stability around housing. So fortunately, we have more agencies that are much more aware of it than the last couple generations. So things are improving, but it's, uh, it's a slow progress. And it has affected generationally. So, Edmonton has a lack of affordable housing and not enough social housing to fill the demand. 
The city says that Edmonton has more than 360,000 homes, but fewer than 15,000 social and affordable housing units. Karen says that it can take working with three to five agencies per person to help them find a place to live. Different people have different points that help them to determine their need and placement times. I'd say a minimum of three, maybe a maximum of five. Again, it depends on the category, uh, whether you're youth, adults, or seniors. Seniors are a lot harder to house. Um, Youth are a lot harder to house. Families are a little bit easier to house. So it really, again, there's lots of variables on those on that it used to be that all levels of government would build housing the last brian mulrooney budget moved the federal government out of social housing and that trend has continued this left housing to the provinces and the cities and of course the market now one in seven households in edmonton either pay more than they can afford on housing or are forced to live in crowded or unsafe conditions In addition to Housing First, there's a recognition of the importance of hearing from people who are affected by the lack of affordable housing. Here's Dr. Sarah Schmuland from In With Forward speaking to City Council. What so many of the 26 people we met described wanting was, one, a sense of agency and control over their lives and their spaces, two, reconnection to the spiritual, to the land and to the seasons, Three, opportunities to participate directly in the little and big decisions that shape their lives, and not simply via service providers or other intermediaries. And four, meaningful roles so they can co-produce and not just consume care or receive support. And that's really what we found so promising, the abundance of energy, of creativity, and of leadership within natural communities. In Attachment 2, we narrate the long-form story titled The House That Is More Than a House, where we recount stumbling upon a group of what we like to call positive deviants. Those are everyday folks who had engineered their own response to houselessness and cultural rootlessness. In this case, they came up with a micro-shelter before facing a bewildering eviction process. Positive deviants can point us towards alternative futures. What if we could recast people Uh, who are subject to eviction or living on and off the streets or in precarious situations, not simply as people to manage or to support, but as partners in solution making. Imagine adding to the list that uh, the roles that cities can play in housing affordability, not just as planners or funders or coordinators, but as scouts, as catalysts, as enablers of homegrown solutions. And so I invite you counselors to listen open-mindedly and wholeheartedly today as people share parts of themselves with you and to hold their stories with reverence and with care and not try to force it back into some of what you know, into fixed categories or dominant logics. I encourage us to try and hold on to the idea that more than one narrative can be true at once and that policy that can reflect that multiplicity, that humanity, is policy that can help this city be an inclusive and compassionate place where many more people belong and thrive. Thank you so much. It can take a while to get into a house, but it also depends on how close to a crisis you are. The system tends to work like triage, serving those who are most desperate first. Karen talked to us about how the system works. 
Oh, there's probably a lot of stories that um, stand out to me. I mean, I've seen families who uh, can't find housing, the larger families who can't find housing, who end up homeless, who have to split up and stay at different places, or um, that's where you have to work with other agencies to see if there's any kind of an emergency housing or hotels that we can put them up in the meantime, or that kind of thing. And um, it can be quite um, devastating for families um, and stressful for families. Um, I've seen seniors who are homeless um, that end up in shelters and shelters definitely aren't built for seniors. And so you see them go through a lot of the stress that that can bring, um, a lot of health decline. Uh, they're not taking their medications right. They're not sleeping right. They're not eating right. Um, so uh, that that certainly is um, one of the more devastating situations that I've seen was with seniors. Um, and also just youth trying to find housing um, and sometimes appropriate housing. Um, sometimes you have people who are still actively using so trying to find um, housing for people who are actively using can be a real struggle. Uh, still still to this day, but not as much as before. There are now uh, more housing, uh, affordable housing um, programs out there that uh, do harm reduction. And they're trauma-informed, so it's a little bit better. Yeah. It can take a real emotional toll on a person, and there's often compounding issues like literacy or a lack of education that can get in the way of moving ahead. Poppy Love spoke to Edmonton City Council about her experience as well. Hi, my name is Poppy Love. I say good morning to all the people in the world. Housing is a big problem for everybody in the city or all over the world. There's times I walk and walk, I think about what goes on in the world. I know it's been hard. It's been hard since I went through it. It was so hard. It's hard to go through it. I think it's going to have to make a lot of people mistreated me in my life. And there was so much happening in my life that I had to come forward. I had to be strong. I had to live where I'm at right now. Yes, I don't have a place right now. I've been living here and there. I had a nice place once, which I called it my, my life. I had flowers everywhere where it showed me where it was beautiful. I know. I lost two of my boys in the past. One of them today is his birthday. I do miss my babies a lot, but I'm still hanging in there with all my power and everything that I have. The only person I ever, ever, this is my baby. 
I can't believe it. I lost my baby in such a young age. He tried to help me out with housing so much. He was smart. He taught mom how to try and read and write, but as my lifetime, I lost my reading, my writing, and how to spell stuff. But I guess I grew up to be strong and to be where I'm at. I know it's a tough life, but other people can hang in there like I did. I come from a long ways and I always wanted a house in my life, a beautiful house with a nice yard. And I can't seem to get where I'm at. I've been trying to help out a lot of people in the past. I lived in 82nd Street where I took in kids to be happy, to be warm, to eat, and to share stuff with them. I lost a friend that was homeless back in the day. I took her in and I helped her out a lot. Helping people a lot comes back, but really it's hard. It's really hard to do this. And I know going through this, this is good. Because when you're sick, your health wise gets down, then it goes up, then it goes down. But I try not let things go down on that way with me. I try hard to take care of myself. The biggest need for housing is among people with mental health issues and people with disabilities. But single mothers, seniors, and Indigenous people are also vulnerable to housing affordability. I think the most important part to know about trying to find affordable housing is that there's not enough. Um, And the other important thing about affordable housing that it tends to be in ghettoized areas. So as um, you raise your children or if you're a senior, um, sometimes you're put in not very safe spaces affordable housing seems to be in clusters. So like I said, it ghettoizes certain areas. Yeah. And affordable housing always comes with a bit of a stigma. So, um, you know, it uh, benefits a lot of people other than people that are just um, struggling on welfare or um, age or something like that. There's people who are are now accessing affordable housing because of the economy or what the pandemic has done or, um, you know, um, I'm thinking especially with these new opiate crisis and the deaths, there's a lot of more, a lot more single parenting happening now. Housing is so much more than four walls and a roof. Each individual needs slightly different support. This could be support for newcomers who need a community and employment help, or it could be training on how to maintain housing and information about financial support, or it could be something like addiction and mental health issues. Thanks so much to Danielle Parody for bringing us this story. And thanks to Eric Amptman and Karen Bruno for sharing their time with us. To find out more about End Poverty Edmonton and other organizations focused on housing, head on over to our show notes for the links. 
In the story, you heard some audio of a city council session held on September 27th. We'll have the link to the full session, where you can hear more details on Edmonton's housing needs and hear more about the lived experience of people struggling with affordable housing. We'll also have links to ECF's well-endowed web show and the latest on our blog. And don't forget to check out our other upcoming granting deadlines and funding opportunities. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with everyone you know. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Sharing the show and leaving reviews are the best way to help new listeners find us. You can also connect with us on Facebook, where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Shireen Zink and Graham Loomer. Until next time. The Well-Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. This episode was edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at BECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well-Endowed.